Welcome to the Inspire People Impact Lives podcast. This podcast is for people who are looking to get more out of life by making an impact on those around them. Each week, we bring you local, influential business and community leaders delivering powerful messages to help you live a more inspiring and impactful life. Coming to you live from Northwestern Mutual Middleton, here's your host, Josh Kosnick. All right, welcome to another episode of Inspire People Impact Lives. I'm your host, Josh Kosnick, managing partner, Northwestern Mutual, Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, today we have such a true story of inspiration, triumph. With us today is Austin Hatch, former member of the University of Michigan basketball program. Sorry to our Badger listeners out there. Uh, We're bringing a Wolverine on the episode, but I think you'll really appreciate his story uh, resilience, faith, courage, and work ethic. In his life, Austin has survived not one, but two devastating plane crashes, but was able to move forward and accomplish his dreams. And we're going to get into those today. Uh, Austin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Josh. I really appreciate it. It's an honor and privilege to be with you guys. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, I would be remiss to say that I got to hear, if I didn't say this, that I, uh, when Austin and I spoke for the first time, we were able to catch up on some commonalities. We had some uh, common people in our life that uh, knew that we knew of each other. And Austin, uh, his family grew, part of his family grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where my wife's from. And his uh, older sister went to school with my wife, Jenna. And and I had heard Austin's story from my father-in-law and from Jenna, uh, but now I get to speak and interview the man, the myth, the legend, Austin Hatch today, uh, after years of, of knowing about you. So I'm really excited uh, personally to have this conversation. So before we get started, I'll, I'm gonna let, the, let you have the floor to tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into some uh, questions to, to dig a little deeper, bud. Yeah, sounds great. Well, um, so I was born to a an incredible family in foreign Indiana. Um, really had the childhood that most kids would dream of, uh, you know, playing sports all day, go, going to school. Um, I went to Canterbury School. Uh, my siblings and I went to Canterbury School, which was an incredible place to learn um, and gave us a great foundation for education there. We started when we were really young um, and had some gr- great, great elementary school, middle school um, experience. But yeah, you know, tragically, um, well, I should say first, you know, my mom was the kind of woman that was, you know, everyone's best friend. We all know those people that everyone loves and everyone wants to be around always and kind of lights up every room she was in, um, kind of life of the part of wherever she went. Um, and my little brother, Ian, um, was the same way. I'm so full of joy um, and just so happy all the time and such, such a positive, optimistic person to be around. And my sister, Lindsay. Um, was a ballerina and she took part in the Nutcracker every year, which is a big, you know, big performance um, in Fort Wayne, um, Fort Wayne Ballet. And um, but yeah, you know, tragically, um, my, my family and I were flying home from Northern Michigan um, on September 1st, 2003, um, Labor Day, 2003. And tragically, the airplane crashed um, and claimed the lives of my mom, my sister, and my little brother Ian. Um, and my dad and I, you know, grieved their loss tremendously. And um, I, I was so I was so young, and um, you know, the fact, having to cope with that loss and figure out how to adjust to a new normal, um, you know, it was extremely difficult. But, but my family um, and my mom's friends all stepped up, and you know, felt, filled that role—not filled the role of a motherly figure, but you know, could help us out, help us, help do whatever they could to help us overcome it. 
um, as they knew my mom and siblings were wanted. Um, and, you know, eventually my dad was remarried to a lovely woman named Kimberly who had three kids of her own. Um, and that restored some normalcy in my life. But, um, and I started to work really hard on my basketball skills and got to be pretty good, fortunately. Um, it was okay. And Coach Beyond offered me, at Michigan, Coach Beyond offered me a scholarship on June 15, 2011, um, which I accepted on the spot because you know, it was always my dream to go to Michigan. My, you know, my mom went there. Um, we had season football tickets since I was young. I think it was my first football game and I was like two. Um, and, you know, my, my dad went there and my grandpa's both went there. So it's been in my family for years. And um, so it was a dream come true. Um, You're a high-level recruit right at that time, right? Uh, I wouldn't say high-level. I mean, I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was okay. Um, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, not wasn't very athletic, but I could shoot and coach beyond. I was shooting. I was smart on the court. Coach beyond likes those guys that are shooting smart and they, they do well in school, things like that, um, and that are coachable. I had a lot of room to grow and get better, but he saw that you know this is a guy that we can make into somebody pretty good, hopefully. So he gave me an opportunity to go play for him. And he, I think he knew it was my dream to go to Michigan too. And um, so it's easy to recruit guys like that who really want to be there. You know, not just going to the to his school because it's their only option. They're actually, you know, that like that, that's the number one option. So. So knowing, so knowing a bit about Indiana for, with my wife and her family being there, um, Indiana is a basketball, you know, haven, right. And like you have, the opportunity to go to the University of Indiana or IU. Um, I don't know if you had that opportunity or not, but obviously Bobby Knight, the famous uh, teams from the 80s and 90s. Uh, was it ever a consideration of yours or because your family had all gone to Michigan, did they come after you hard? Uh, I mean, what, tell me a little bit about the dynamics there. Um, Indiana didn't really come. I actually didn't. I mean, they, they recruited me a little bit, but um, I never actually offered me. Um, Scholarship. Maybe they would have, but I committed to Michigan after my sophomore year, which is nowadays that's that's almost late. Now nowadays I feel like guys commit after like one of my good friends, James Blackman Jr. from Fort Wayne, committed to play at IU um, at, before his freshman year of high school. Hmm. Right. So, um, but yeah, you know, Co Coach Beeline likes to see two years of good grades in high school before he offers someone. So, um, you know, it was a real real blessing to have that opportunity to go to Michigan and. Um, it was always a dream of mine, as I said, but, you know, tragically, and I want to say well, I was just going to say, before we get to that next part, because it is pretty incredible, I'm going to hit our – so what age were you with the first crash? Uh, I was eight, almost okay. nine, about a month away from turning nine. Was – did you see basketball for you with how much you poured into it? Was that somewhat of a distraction or coping mechanism for all that loss in your life? Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah. Um, and – Really, really though, the the real coping mechanism for me was my dad. Um, I think for us both, you know, I'd like to think, you know, I'm kind of what kept him going. Um, he, I, he's definitely what kept me going in the midst of all that. And we were always close, but really, I, you know, as you can imagine, became um, became like brothers through that. And you know, all we experienced together. And um, he, like like I said, he kept me going. And I kind of like the guy I was what kept him going too. And um, but yeah, you know, we just kept living in the midst of that because we knew we couldn't control the event that had happened. But you know, we just kept living in our family's honor as we knew that that's what they would want. And, yeah. um, did you, uh, did you or your dad have lingering uh, injuries, uh, side effects, or any mental stuff that uh, stemmed from the first crash? My dad suffered some some pretty bad, some severe burns 
Um, and my, my burns were minor, um, but they, they healed. And um, yeah, you know, my dad had some, nothing that prevented him from like for a while. I mean, he was in a coma and stuff after that for, for a couple of weeks. And, um, but yeah, uh, he, he came out of it. He got back to, he was a really good athlete in high school and he got back to doing triathlons and stuff like that. And so he, I mean, he, he got back to living. Um, yeah. I say got back to living. He, you know, he did whatever he could to keep living. And I think part of that was to set an example for me, um, you know, what it looks like to, to kind of, you know, press on and keep moving forward, even when you experience an unimaginable loss. So, so he loses his wife, a daughter and a son, and you lose your mom, your sister and your little brother. Yeah. In that accident, and so I can I can imagine as you say there that you guys became like brothers because you're all you had left, right? Of the immediate family, obviously, like you said, your mom's friends and some other family really rallied around you guys, but you guys had each other's back through that. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did. Um, and I'm just I'm so grateful. Um, obviously, of course, I'm not grateful for everything that's happened in my life, but I'm just so thankful that. You know that that I had my gotta have my dad for a while longer, um, and because because you know when you're young, I mean that, of course it's very important to have a have you know for for a son. I mean obviously a mother and a father is, is are both extremely important, but especially in those you know those formative years, if you will, you know middle school, high school, um, to be able to you know kind of lay the foundation, show you show you how it's done, so to speak. I'm just so blessed to have had that. Um, what would you say is the number one or maybe top three things that your dad's legacy left on you? I think the biggest thing, um, I'll talk about this more in a few minutes, I think, but um, treat everyone like they're the most important thing to you at that time. And, and he didn't, it didn't matter if it was, if you were the CEO of a, of a company or if you were, um, you know, someone with, uh, of, of, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say lesser social status, but someone that maybe doesn't have a job that's quite as, you know, like CEO is obviously a very big title, but if you're, if you're the janitor, he was actually, he got to know Mike, the janitor at my high school, um, you know, and, and, and like, like paid attention to those people and made them know that they mattered. And, um, you know, so actually, so here's a story, I'll just go into it now. So, um, after the, the first accident, we would go to McDonald's. Although he would take me to school. We'd go to McDonald's a couple of days a week. Um, and the cashier, I mean, there was almost pretty much always at that McDonald's in the mornings we would go. Josiah was his name. Um, this may be getting ahead of myself um, again, but um, so something my dad did, I didn't really pay attention to this much at the time because I was young and you know, it was, it was, it was 6.45 or 7 in the morning. I was young. I was, you know, early and I didn't really want to, you know, be super engaged in things that early. And, um, but that cashier, Josiah, um, so unfortunately, we, my, I was involved in a second plane crash, as you mentioned. And um, that cashier, Josiah, was at my parents' funeral after the second accident. Something my dad did made Josiah feel some sort of connection to him. And you think about, like, just a cashier at McDonald's. I have no idea what you could say, but you know, maybe they, 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 they you know, they, they wait on or they take the money from, you know, a couple, a few hundred customers a day, let's say, maybe, maybe a thousand or fifteen hundred a week. I have no idea if that's even close to the right, right amount, right number. 
but something my dad did made him stand out and made Josiah feel that he needed to go or that he should go to celebrate his life after he had already passed away. And that doesn't just happen. Like you got to be intentional and make that person feel like they're important, that they matter. And I'm not going to say that Josiah wouldn't have gone to anyone else's funeral that passed away that would go to McDonald's. But I'm just like something my dad did. Maybe you put put that, you know, maybe, maybe spent 10 extra seconds to ask Josiah about how his family was or something like that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. Just every, everyone matters. Everyone matters. Yeah. I love that. So so I did I did stop you as part of that second part. So fast forward. So you get that offer from Coach Beeline. And then tell us what happens. Yeah, so I accepted the offer on June 15, 2011. It's a dream come true. Um, but then tragically, nine days later, we were flying to Northern Michigan this time. My dad and my second mom, and I never will use the term stepmom. Um, my dad and second mom, we were flying to up, up to Northern Michigan, the same place we were returning from um, nine years prior, or eight years prior. And tragically, the, uh, the airplane crashed and um, claimed the lives of my dad and my second mom, and I probably should have died, but I, so by the grace of God, you know, somehow survived, and, um, you know, I was in a coma for about two months, uh, had a long list of injuries, traumatic brain injury, punctured lung, broken ribs, broken clavicles, hematoma in my leg, all sorts of stuff, and, um, yeah, I was in a coma for a couple months, um, but, you know, thanks to, the, again, the grace of God, and um, you know, so many people in my life that have, you know, put their lives on hold to help me get better. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we fortunately made a pretty good comeback. And, you know, my sister Maria, who I lived with in Fort Wayne um, after the accident, she was my guardian. My parents made her my guardian or should, should anything happen. You know, for, unfortunately, it did. Unfortunately, fortunately, they prepared for it. Um, but unfortunately, that, you know, preparation actually had to take effect. So. Yeah, I mean, I look at the, I look at my life, been through some terrible stuff, but you know, Josh, I've I'm blessed. I'm incredibly blessed, and um, I've got a lot of reasons to be grateful. Well, your I mean, your your outlook and your attitude is just amazing because of the tragedy that you've gone through in your life. What what are the odds of being not only in one plane crash but two? So uh, I I read this in an article a few years after. Um, the act, the second accident. And according to an MIT statistician named Arnold Bennett, was his name, pretty sure. Um, he calculated that the, that the odds of surviving one plane crash with at least one fatality are one in 3.4 million. One in 3.4 million. It's pretty slim, right? So that's the odds of surviving one plane crash with one fatality. I survived two plane crashes with multiple fatalities. So, you know, tragically, but fortunately, I guess, if you want to look at it that way and you know, so the, so using my, you know, my prestigious Michigan education, um, I'm sure, I'm sure a Scott, I'm sure a Badger could do this, this too. It's not that hard. <laughs> I'd find um, an actuarial science person, but yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. One in three per million is the odds of surviving one. One in three per million is the odds of surviving a second one. So one in three per million times one in three per million is one in 11 quadrillion, 560 trillion. That's a 14-digit number on the denominator. So I think it, maybe if this is this is not showcasing my math ability, but so the, if the world population is eight billion, seven billion, I think that's I think it's 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 six more zeros. So 
So I think I think that's a hundred like like one hundred seventy five thousand times the world population is the number on the phenomenon. I, I think. So is there like anyone that. else on the planet that you know of that survived two plane crashes with fatalities? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. You know, fortunately, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that no one else has had to go through that. But um, yeah, um, so no, <laughs> that's nothing to be proud of or you know hang my hat on so to speak but yeah i'm just blessed and i look at it josh you know like i said i've been through some terrible stuff but i given the fact that what happened let's call that the worst case scenario right um i i really believe wholeheartedly that i have the best case scenario of the worst case scenario like given the fact that those two events happen life could not be any better than it is right now i mean i'm married to an incredible woman i outkicked my coverage i'm sure you did as well um, you know, my wife and I look forward to building a, a family and future of our own in the years to come. And like I said, I've lost a lot, been through a lot, but man, I got a lot to be thankful for. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so real, so maybe it's a simple question. Maybe it's not. Uh, what is your anxiety level or do you fly anymore? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, so I saw at least prior to COVID, you know, I would travel, fly around the country. I, I was on, I was on 11 planes in January. Um, like going to speak to different companies, right? And, you know, in Austin, Texas, um, in Florida, in New York City. And do you have any anxiety level anymore, or do you just put no, your no, no, because two things. Um, one, flying was a big part of my life growing up. It was like it was almost like driving. And just because you get in two really bad car accidents doesn't mean you're never going to drive again. That's how I can explain it, right? Like in the that's the example I can, I, I use. And then also, I uh, so tragically, but fortunately I've survived two plane crashes. And if, you know, God forbid a third one happens, survive two, why can't I survive a third one? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the wrong, that's the wrong attitude to have. That's the wrong attitude to have. But it's kind of a humorous one. So it's like whatever helps you get through it. So that's great. What about, um, what about for you now, looking at, uh, do we lose you, Austin? Chad, did we lose him? Um, it looks like he dropped off, yeah. Did, did um, I think, uh, let me just make a note here. Okay, I'll, uh, Text him quick and see. Did it look like his computer shut off? Or he's like. I wonder if his laptop was dying. Yeah, I wonder if it did. Uh, let me just. Uh, okay. Is this, this view okay? Yeah, that'll work, man. That's cool. That's good. Okay. And then uh, I was going to leave our start back on with um, after the accident, uh, going back to kind of Coach Beeline. And, yeah. uh, you know, how, how that reaction was and how his reaction was and how uh, they stuck with you. I don't know. That wasn't in the notes, but I thought that might be cool no. to cover. Yeah, that's um, great. That's great. So, um, yeah, you know, Coach, Coach Beeline um, is one of the most incredible Let me, let me ask the question first so we give uh, some context. Chad, you ready? Yeah, we're good. And, yeah, that's great. Ask the question again. We'll get some context and cut it in. So, cool. So, Austin, let's let's go fast forward after that uh, the second accident. Coach Beeline 
I mean, you're in a coma for two months. So how does Coach Beeline uh, react? And obviously Michigan stuck by you. So talk, talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, you know, Coach Beeline is one of the most incredible men I've ever met in my life. And I don't think it's an accident that I committed to a, a place like Michigan, you know, nine days before, you know, the, the second accident happened. And my life was, you know, drastically changed again. Um, but yeah, you know, he, so I, you know, when I was in a coma, um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know what was what was going on during that time. But as soon as you know, as soon as I came out of that coma and I was in the hospital in Chicago in late August of 2011, um, he came. Coach Beyond came to see me, and I was in Chicago at the RIC, the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago. And you know, he came to came to see me when I was in a wheelchair. Um, I had broken my leg, parts of my leg, but. It was healed by that time because I was in a coma, right? For that reason, um, to let my body heal. And I was in, a, I was six six. I had just committed to play at Michigan, one of the best schools in the country. You know, believe yeah, whatever, whatever, think what you want, but you know, Michigan's a great, a great program. And um, yeah, and I was in, like I said, I was in a wheelchair. And here's the coach of that that recruited the likes of Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, Karis LeVert, Duncan Robinson. And he tells a guy that he can't walk that he can't wait to have him on his team. That he can't wait to coach him someday. Whenever I'm able, whenever I was able to get to Michigan, because I, I, I missed a year of school because um, I was recovering. And but yeah, I mean, it's just just the the level of appreciation that I have for all that he's done for me. I mean, it really changed the course of my life. I mean, the fact that I had Michigan in my future, I don't want to say that that gave me a reason to work to work. And I would, I'm sure, I would like to think I would have worked as hard no matter what. Um. But yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just so grateful, you know, because having that having Michigan gave me something to shoot for and having basketball in my future gave me something to shoot for. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm just incredibly grateful, incredibly grateful. Did the injuries from that second crash, did that impact your basketball ability at all? Yeah, it did. It did, because, um, you know, so my my, my the word the worst of the injuries was a traumatic brain injury. And. I kind of had, I basically had to relearn how to, I don't want to say I started from square one, but like I did, I got to learn how to like tie shoes again. And so I can like take care of myself, like get dressed and like, like do, do basic day-to-day functions of living life. But like, it was funny, you know, once I like, I, I would kind of start to relearn part of it. Like once I was exposed, like I took me, you know, I wasn't, I didn't go to the gym for, you know, a few weeks until after I got out of the coma. And I was in a coma, obviously. I, my game wasn't going to be the exact same as I was before. And I, my game never got back to the level that it was before. Um, but I like, you know, once I got, got came back and, you know, oh, okay, I've done this before. I I, 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 I don't remember exactly how to do this, but I, I vaguely remember it. You know what I mean? And because I had done it so much. And um, it's not, yeah, like I said, it's not like I was like a baby learning how to shoot. It's like I'd already learned how to shoot, but I, I just forgotten about it you know what i mean experts say that you are the average of the five people you hang out with and the books that you read we'd like to suggest the podcast that you listen to as well so hit that subscribe button and add madison's top leaders to your circle we'd also encourage you to share this podcast with as many friends as possible our mission is simple to inspire people and impact lives if you know of a friend or colleague that could benefit from listening to some of madison's top leaders give us a share now back to our guest. So going from there, what is the biggest either life or leadership principles you learned from Coach Beeline and being at Michigan? Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, 
but you know, like kind of how I said with my dad, you know, how he got to got, um, you know, got to know Josiah at McDonald's coach Beeline doesn't serve his players town. He serves their heart. And I think it, uh, it's easy to, I mean, I'm not a head coach and a bad head coach, but I would think it's easy to treat people different based on their ability, based on the role they have in, on the team or the organization. But coach Beeline didn't treat me differently because I couldn't play. He gave me a role and included me in everything and let me know my role is important. Um, and it's like, you know, it's how you, it's how we treat the people that are below us or how we treat the people that are at the bottom of the food chain, so to speak, bottom of the totem pole. Um, so yeah, that, that's one of them. And the, the, the next one, probably the biggest one is his constant reminder, um, of what it looks like to live with integrity and like that. So we had these, these five core values at Michigan, you know, diligence, appreciation, passion, unity, and integrity and that integrity piece like just i mean the integrity he showed by not only by following by honoring my scholarship and that the great thing is the headlines on espn.com say you know john beyond honors the scholarship of austin hatch who was involved in a really bad accident and can't play anymore like he like he used to when he was being recruited that said that are those articles in the headlines showed what coach beeline did but they didn't show how he did it right they weren't there every day to show the little things he did to include me and to, you know, to make me, you give me a role. He would, they weren't, they weren't there. They didn't see any of that. Um, so yeah, I think probably above, above all those things. So treat everyone like they matter, regardless of role. Do, um, but I think the biggest one is to do the common thing in an uncommon way, do the common thing in an uncommon way. Right. That's awesome. Uh, so awesome. So a couple of different things that came to mind there for me was it would have been, you're right. It would have been so easy for him, and especially in the social media world, and especially this uh, recruiting look at me world of, of this, I mean, basketball, it's, whether it's college or NBA, there's millions upon millions of dollars in it and involved. For him to just grab the headline and not actually treat you with the respect that he did, right? So to grab the headline that, you know, he felt almost like, let's say, Someone could have felt almost obligated to earn that headline, but not really earn the respect and the place that you got on the team and where the seat at the table that he gave you. Um, no. And right, so that's that's what came to mind there is yeah, that is a high integrity person that he wasn't just doing it for the headline; he was doing it because he meant it, mm -hmm. um, and that had to mean the world to you. You know, uh, you know, probably still looking for that father figure after having your your dad die. Yeah, physically. No, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, you know, I think, yeah, just just what we do is not as important as how we do it. Right. And like, kind of like you said, the, the headline is the what. Right. And people, a lot of people, that's all they see. All they see is the what. Right. They see that they see John Beyond Islands, my scholarship. Oh, it's such a, it's a feel good story. One of those, you know, things you see on ESPN, man, how cool is that? But like I said, they didn't see the how. And I think that's, I mean, and even if no one, no one knows the how, even if he was a jerk to me the whole for four years, no one would have known. They would have seen what, what he did and thought, oh, what a great guy. Um, but going back to that integrity piece, even though no one knew and no one could see it, he was doing, he was treating me, I don't want to say treating me the right way, even when nobody was looking. He was, you know, just doing things with character, with integrity and 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just so grateful, so grateful. And and from a not that I'm I have any you know right to say this, but from a leadership perspective, who wouldn't want to run through a brick wall for a guy like that? Yeah, well, you know 100%. what I mean. Like, hundred percent. That's what every leader should strive to to feel like, to be like. Because if you can have that type of buy-in, your team will follow you anywhere, mm-hmm. anywhere. And uh, so, by the way, people did get a glimpse of the how. Uh, I got a glimpse of the how even before, you know, you and I got to know each other at all with how you were honored senior night and how you were honored uh, throughout the season and that team. And then the story that ESPN did after, like, that's all well and good. The how was like, if you were just that headline and nothing more, the team wouldn't have loved you like they loved you and bought into like, because you weren't, you know, a starter. You know, you weren't um, even a, that much of a role player, but you meant a lot to the players because you meant a lot to coach. Yeah, you know, I. so here's the crazy thing. Um, so Coach Beeline actually tweeted something. It was a few months ago. So I scored one point in four years, right? I scored one point, and it was a free throw that I made against, against Coppin State. And Big Ten Network posted something about it a few months ago you know, maybe towards the, or, or, or towards the end of last basketball season. So I guess it was, you know, seven or eight months ago now, um, prior to COVID and everything else, like Big Ten Network said, you know, what an incredible moment in Michigan history or, you know, one of the most memorable moments in Michigan history in the last, you know, in recent years or whatever. And Coach Beeline re- replied to the tweet and said, one of the best days of my life for anyone who did not get to see Austin play in high school. He was terrific. I thought he was going to be a three or four year starter at Michigan, but he actually gave us more than that with his attitude. He was a huge part of our success. And I, I don't say that to say, look, what a great role I filled on the team or anything. All I'm trying to say is I scored one point in four years. And here you have a, a head coach, John Beeline, who's you know one of the best coaches in the country when he was coaching college. And he's just saying that I had a I gave more to the team by bringing a positive attitude and contributing in the ways that I could by taking my role seriously. And that kind of brings me back to the. You know, the whole, there, there's a line, um, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats seven days a week, right? And if, there's no way that if we all, if everyone on any team in any organization brings it every day, regardless of role, if, 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 I, if all I could do in practice was shag balls for guys and help with drills, if that's all I could do, if I could help, if I could rebound and shoot around and shag balls in practice 1% better, even if that doesn't make my teammates maybe there's no correlation between the two, between my shagging balls and their performance on the court, but it, it can't do anything but make a positive impact. It's not going to make a negative impact. Me bringing it every day. And uh, I'm just like, you know what? And the great thing is, and so actually that's one of the things I talk about is the team first mentality, right? You know, thinking about the team first, filling our roles on our team to the best of our ability. And I'm reminded of the fact that like several days and I didn't think my role was important. Right. I'm sure there are people on, on your team or on, or on any team who may not feel like they, like these people as individuals, they don't think their role is as important as some other people. That's mm-hmm. understandable. But I was quick to remember that if, I, if, if coach has me here, if I'm on the team and he's given me a role, that role is important. It wouldn't be worth his time otherwise. Right. And nope. so, yeah, I just, you know, if I just, take pride in, in every, every, we all should, we all should take pride in our roles, for our roles, the best of our ability. Um, and I think that's a great way we can show our appreciation for the opportunity to be on the team. So.
And not only that, it gets noticed and gets you that next opportunity. But I don't want to lose in what you just said and all of what you just said, the humility that you just showed. Like how many people would, you know, you get a Division One scholarship and you think you should be the starter, or you think you should be at least a role player, and you're not getting that time, so you're not going to put in that effort in practice. How many people would get their ego in the way and their pride in the way of doing what's best for the team? And what you just said there really illustrated not only A, who you are as a person, but A, who everyone, or B, who everyone should strive to be as a person, regardless of who you think you should be and having that vision of being a bigger person, being a starter, being the next CEO, whatever, you got to carry the crown before you can wear the the crown. And so that's shagging balls, that's fetching towels, fetching water, whatever it might be, to be the best teammate that you can be, to be the best follower you can be so that someday you can be the best leader. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, the the great thing is, so that's like I mentioned, that was part, part of my message that I talk about when I travel the country speaking, or at least now when I virtually speak across the country. And it's very much within our control. Like we, not everyone's going to be able to shoot, you know, 40% from three point line in game or, or 90 or 90% from the free throw line. I mean, you can't make every shot, but there's no reason that we can't bring it every day and fill our roles to the very best of our ability. And I'm not saying, you know, make every shot or, or make sure everything goes right every day. Cause it's not going to. Um, but just, just control hundred percent of the things we, we can control. And actually there's a Jerry Rice quote, um, that said, that said, you know, Jerry Rice, one of the best wide receivers in NFL history, maybe the best. And he said, um, why wouldn't I give a hundred percent to the things that are hundred percent within my control? Why wouldn't we like, that'd be like, you have a wide open layup, but you're just going to miss it. Like, 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 why would you do that? Why, 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 why would you, why would we intentionally make things harder on ourselves by not giving it our best effort all the time? And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I think, you know, before, you know, before, before the second accident, I was working to be the best, best basketball player that I could be. Right. And the second accident happened. I couldn't control it, obviously. But the lesson that I learned by, you know, putting my time into the game, that now, okay, just apply the same mentality just towards a different goal. Because I think the how we approach anything is how we approach everything. I'm not a whole big fan of like turning it on, turning it off. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe you do to some degree, but it's like, it's not the way if, if we take, if you take things seriously, if we're used to taking things seriously, if we're used to, you know, overcoming smaller obstacles, whenever the big one comes, we'll just do the same thing because it's just what we do, right? Agreed, 100%. And I love that. Uh, you're right. And by the way, I got to experience uh, that Jerry Rice quote live uh, at a Ben Newman boot camp. And Jerry was there and he was an idol of mine growing up. And he says that. And you uh, you always heard the, the folklore of Jerry's work ethic. And that's what he was referencing. Is like there, you always heard the folklore of the where he worked out in that mountain that he would sprint up and other football players, professional football players and other athletes would try to keep up and they couldn't do it. And again, he just had an insane and insatiable appetite to work hard to be the best that he could be. And it's a great lesson that you're carrying on as well. I wanna uh, shift gears a little bit because you talked a lot about the mental toughness. I also wanna talk a little bit about mental health because it's a, something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, you had two major traumatic events in your life and I'm sure there's been some other trauma 
that's happened outside of those two main things. How have you worked on your mental health and making sure that your mind and spirit is right to be the best you and to overcome some of that trauma and be able to take these lessons and move them on to the masses? You know, I've, I've been so blessed to have the incredible support system that I've had um, and people who helped me overcome the loss. I don't want to say overcome the loss because I don't think like it's OK to not actually overcome it like in this in this context. You know, like like I, it's not like, the reason I say that is because it overcome. It's not like when you overcome it, then the loss is just non-existent. The loss right. is always going to be there. Um, and that's OK. But like I, I, I think that. I just choose to, and there, there, there were tough days and there still are tough days, right? When I miss my family, rightfully so. Um, I think what could be, what should be. Um, and I wonder like, you know, like, who my family would be today. And unfortunately, I'm never going to know. Um, and that's a painful thing to, you know, painful realization to come to. But I just choose, I've chosen to focus on what I'm so blessed to have in the midst of all that I've lost. And that doesn't diminish what I've been through. Cause like I said, I've been through some terrible stuff, lost incredible things. Like, you know, it's almost like incomprehensible the loss that I've had to experience, but I can't let two, I've had two, two of the worst days that anyone could ever have. Right. But I can't let those two really, really bad days outshine all the other great days and blessings that I have in my life, because, you know, it's a, it's been, the research shows, it's hard to be grateful and negative at the same time. It's hard to be stressed and grateful and, and thankful at the same time. And if I if I focus on how blessed I am to have the incredible wife that I do and the incredible grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, in-laws, like extended family. And um, if I focus on that, I mean, it, it's hard to be overcome by the loss. I'm not saying it's wrong to be overcome by the loss. because I'm sure there are people who are listening to this who are dealing with know some challenging things and my 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 thoughts prayers with with all of the listeners and condolences to anyone who's lost people um but yeah i just i just choose to you know just live in my family's memory and folk and, and like you know so they unfortunately passed away far too early right but i i was so fortunate to have the incredible you know eight almost nine years with my with my mom and siblings and then nine years with my dad and second mom, right? Or not nine more years, seven years. Yeah. And yeah, so. Well, it's pretty, was there any active steps? Did you work with counselors? Did you, uh, I mean, did you dive into reading to understand any better? Um, anything that uh, helped you with your mental toughness? Because it just seems like, right? So for, I want to say two things here. First of all, um, and I've learned this over time, is we can't compare trauma. Uh, no. We cannot do it. Like there's 99.9% of people are sitting here, including myself, saying there's no way that I could compare to the trauma that Austin Hatch has been through. But that doesn't make our trauma any less traumatic. No. Right? So our pain is our pain and we have to overcome that. So I'm not, when I ask these questions to you, I'm not expecting you to have an answer for anyone else. I just, because you've gone through such traumatic things, um, and, and, you, and you appear to be and seem to be, from all my conversations with you, so mentally strong and, and just centered in, in gratefulness. Is there any steps that you've taken that, that you would recommend for others that are going through their own trauma? Yeah, well, I, 
I think I've, I've learned that. Um, so I didn't really go through any, you know, like formal counseling. Um, well, I did after the first one I, for like a week and it just didn't work for me. And so I, it was just my dad. My dad was my counselor and he wasn't really a counselor. He was just my dad. Right. And just being with him and being together. And that was my counseling if therapy, if you will. Um, and so he, he, and he, he led the way he's, you know, he, I can, I can't imagine I'm married now. My wife and I have been married for, you know, going on three years. And, um, so yeah. And, but he was, he was with my mom for, for 23. They were, they, they, they dated eight years before they were married. They were high school sweethearts, met my dad's, my dad's sophomore year of high school. And my mom's freshman year of high school. And, um, and then, you know, they were homecoming King, homecoming queen in high school. And, um, so I'm like an awesome story and everything. And then, you know, my dad went to a small school, um, in Michigan, played football and then did some grad, some, some like prep, some grad school work at Michigan before medical school, Wake Forest. Um, and my mom went to Michigan and then, so they were together eight years before they were married. And then, and then they were married seven, they were married 17 years, um, when the accident happened. Right. And I, I can't imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess, so, so they were, they were together 25 years prior to that accident. My yeah. wife and I have been married, you know, going on three and have been, have been together, you know, seven years. Right. And like, I can't imagine what it's like losing her. Of course, no one can imagine that. No one should imagine that, but yeah, he just, you know, he, we just tried to do what we could to honor them every single day. And that's how I feel now too. Cause even though my family's all gone, I have the opportunity to honor them every single day, by how I live, how I love my wife, how I someday love our family and, I, and be a, you know, husband and father to our kids if we're blessed with the family hopefully we will be someday um so yeah i just um i think that i tried to shift my focus from the events that and this is not this doesn't diminish the events by any means but and or doesn't diminish the loss but i just tried to look at how blessed i was to have had what i did for as long as i did and also to have how blessed i am to have what i still have um because, yeah, like I said, if we focus on being grateful, it's hard to be negative and hard to be, you know, overcome by the by, by the tragedy and the grief and the loss. And that doesn't diminish the grief, but I just and I'm not saying it's wrong to grieve. I just choose to like for me, it's um, I don't get much out of, you know, there, there are really hard days where I cry, you know, on birthdays and anniversaries and things like that. But if I just think about how great it was to have had what I did and focus on the memories, you know, it's like, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a song by Maroon 5. Um, it's called memories. And it says, uh, choose to the ones that we got, like choose the ones that are still here. Choose to the wish you were here, but you're not. Um, right. And it's like, you know, man, like cheers to the ones that I got. Right. But also like, you know, I cheers and to, to the one, to my family that I wish was here, but they're not. And, you know, it's not the same. Um, but then that song, remember, then one of the last lines is like, you know, like all we have is memories. So. Mm -hmm. So make good ones and remember them. And that leads actually to uh, one of the habits that I wish I did more, but I've started to do in journaling and remembering good things and bad things um, and how you overcome them. Uh, the journaling really helps that. And I've, I've, I go back to my notes. I have lots of notebooks that I go back to. I'm like, oh man, that was really good. Uh, I should remember that more often. Mm -hmm. And so I think if uh, if you're not journaling, Austin, that would be a uh, 
suggestion because especially as you go into fatherhood, um, it's great. It's a great, uh, great experience, great exercise to, to record because our memory, uh, just frankly, isn't that great. <laughs> so, no. um, so we got to be able to record those great things. Um, all right, I want to wrap things up here. And uh, I mean, it's just an incredible conversation today. Uh, your attitude and outlook, uh, perseverance, um, the lessons from your dad and Coach Beeline are just amazing for everyone to hear. Um, and especially, you know, just in the, this world right now where we're so focused on, um, well, yesterday was the election, so politics and, and social media and, and getting likes and stuff like that. Your social media posts don't matter. Those interactions like your dad had with uh, Josiah at McDonald's that Coach Beeline has with anyone else or the janitor like you talked about with your dad, those interactions are what matter uh, in life. So I want to make sure that everyone's focused on those and focused on your story with that versus we're still waiting on the outcome of this election and we're still, you know, just be kind to your neighbors, be kind, work hard. Um, I love all of your. Um, uh, messaging today. One last thing I want to touch on that I know you and uh, uh, Chad spoke of. What are your four components to grit? So, so grit's four letters. And using my great mission education, you'd think there are four key components to it. But there's, it's actually driven by uh, a fifth component or the first component of grit, I think, is working for a greater purpose, first and foremost. I think we need to work for something bigger than ourselves because if anyone in the world is working just for ourselves, I think it's pretty likely that life's going to present us with adversity, opposition, challenge, trial, tribulation, what have you, that'll cause us to give up or give in because we don't have really have a driving force for why we do what we do. Whatever the driving force is, it's different for everyone in the world, but whether it's your faith, your family, your friends, your teammates, hopefully all of us are somewhat internally driven to be the best you can be. But I think having that greater purpose is really important and having that greater purpose will drive us to do what it takes to overcome the adversity that we face. So four components of grit. Uh, that greater purpose will drive grit as well. So first, the four components of grit, the G stands for the growth mindset. The growth mindset views every setback, every failure, every adversity as an opportunity. You know, even when we inevitably fall short, you know, the growth mindset believes we can use that as an opportunity to get better. Every time after we lose a game that we shouldn't have, we didn't lose that many, didn't lose many games at Michigan that we shouldn't have. But when we would, Coach Buhan would always say every time, we're going to watch the film of the game and we're going to find a way to get better from it. Having that growth mindset, especially for, for, for those of us on, on the team, you know, for, for Coach Bian as the leader, you know, how could, he, how could he tell us to have the growth mindset if he didn't have it, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and have that growth mindset that'll drive us to make the decision to be resilient. The decision to be resilient means we, we focus more on our response to the adversity we face rather than dwelling on the, the less than ideal circumstances that we can't control. Um, because if we can't, Coach Wooden said, if you spend too much time and energy focusing on the things over which you have no control, it will adversely affect the things over which you have control. And so if I, if I spend too much time and energy dwelling on the fact that, you know, I, this, this, this day didn't go well, or I didn't get this deal for whatever reason, okay, that's going to adversely, adversely affect my, you know, how I do in the future as well. That's not saying ignore the reality because we can, I think we can learn when things don't go. We can learn from losses. Um, it's more than we do from wins. And the I in grit is the decision to live with integrity. And of course, integrity is being honest, doing nothing and no one's looking. But I think especially in the context of overcoming any obstacle, or achieving any goal, integrity is about following through on our commitments. Um, those a commitment we make to ourselves, but more importantly, a commitment we make to our teammates, right? Following through, doing what we said we would do, especially when our circumstances change. You look at like what Coach Beeline did for me. 
he, he offered me when things were good. Our circumstances changed. I couldn't play, but mm-hmm. his follow through didn't. So I think if we, if we can all make it a priority to follow through on our commitments, I think that's a way to give ourselves a competitive advantage. The last letter is T. T to me is the team first mentality. I think we should always think about the team first. We should train ourselves to think we before me. Um, we should remember that a rising tide lifts all boats. If we all fill our roles, make, make the effort to fill our roles to the very best of our ability, there's no way that can help the team win. So that's, that's awesome. A growth mindset, resilience, integrity, team mindset. Yes, sir. Love it. Love it. All right. So we're going to get into some more words, right? We're going to play the word game I told you about. You yeah. Ready, I'm ready, ready as All I right. can be. All right. So for the audience, again, reminder, I'm going to say one word. Austin's going to give us his gut reaction. He gets a one word or short phrase response, and he cannot repeat himself. Austin, happiness. Abby. My His wife. wife Abby. Pain. Opportunity. Life. Amazing. Death. Inevitable. Mom. Beautiful. Dad. Mentor. Courage. Resilience. I actually was thinking of that word for you as you said it. So that was pretty good. You you hit it spot on. Yeah, uh, good deal. <laughs> faith. Belief. Inspire or inspiration. Mm. respond like respond 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 because i think the opportunity we have to realize this is getting into a longer answer than you look for but we all have the opportunity to inspire people and most of the time we don't inspire people by how we do when things are good we inspire people by how we choose to respond when things are tough so no i I love that so i will take that response all day even though it was more than one word so (laughs) (laughs) all right last one impact Opportunity. Wait, did you already say opportunity? Uh, yeah, you said adversity. Uh, impact. <sighs> Blessing. All right, that's good. All right, favorite book of all time or most recently read book that you want to give a shout out to? My dad and I, when I was the, the summer after my eighth grade year of um, going into high school, we we read. The, he would make me read in the summertime because I wasn't in school. Um, he would make me read an hour a day, um, which was a great thing that he did for me cognitively, keep my mind active. And uh, Outliers, we read by Malcolm Gladwell. Great story book. of success. Yeah, you know what's interesting about you saying that is I think uh, for any parent that has uh, a reading age child. Instead of paying them for chores, pay them to read books. And uh, I would give you that, uh, Austin, not that you wouldn't have done that as a father anyhow because of what your father did for you. But reading books like that, holy cow. If I could give my book, uh, my kids books like um, Think and Grow Rich and Outliers and uh, Girl, Wash Your Face because I have daughters, like all this different stuff that builds them mentally, cognitively, like you mentioned, um, spiritually, like that grows the their emotional being, uh, as well as their intellect. Like, great, I'll pick up the house if they're actually reading those types of books. No, all day long, all day long. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm reminded of there's a 
you know, so he said, Malcolm Gladwell studied some really interesting stuff and um, he calculated that the, there's a, there's a, one of the chapters, it's called the 10,000 hour rule. And he calculated whether it was the Beatles or Bill Joy who invented the internet. He calculated that most people who have achieved mastery at anything, whether it's, you know, Beatles or technology or Tiger Woods or whoever, they've all put in a minimum of 10,000 hours into their craft. They all have one thing in common and it's at least 10,000 hours. And you yeah. think about that. I mean, that's, there's no, there's no substitute for hard work. And, you know, like, and I think that the reality is that like, it's gonna, it's gonna be hard, like to, to achieve great, to hopefully, you know, cause one of the worst things we can do for ourselves is set our goals too low and achieve them. Right. And if we, it should, it should be hard. It should be, it should take 10,000 hours or whatever to get to where we want to be. And yeah, like the, and for me, um, after the second action that I faced, you know, I told myself early on from the time I was in a I couldn't walk. And I said, even if I don't get back to the playing, the playing at Michigan or get to the level where I can actually play, like contribute it, you better believe it's not going to be because I didn't work hard enough. So. That's great. And, uh, as we were joking about our golf game before we uh, started recording, you and I just haven't put in our 10,000 hours yet to be good enough. No. Right? Yeah, you know what? I think, um, so it's like Dustin Johnson, um, or no, no, it was uh, Brooks Koepka won uh, the U.S. Open in um, when it was in Wisconsin, right, at Aaron Hills? Yep. And then I think after after Saturday, after Saturday's round, he – like he went to the range and hit and hit, and hit like over a hit like a thousand burning a thousand balls because like there was something he needed to work out. He was he was leading the U.S. Open, and then he went and spent like like four or five hours on the range that night. So it's commitment and desire, commitment and desire. Yeah. All right, how can the audience follow you? Get in touch with you if they want to hire you to speak. Um, what's the what's the best mediums there for you? Yeah, so um, you know, my um, on, on LinkedIn is a good way to get in touch with me. But we actually just launched our website a couple of days ago. It's austin-hatch.com. Um, austin-hatch.com. Um, there's an there's a, a way you can you know get in touch with me. If, you know, fill out some information, contact info, and I, I'll be happy to make a make a, a personal phone call to you to get in touch and see if there's any opportunity for me to you know help your team, add value, inspire your organization. So I'll be honored. And very grateful for any and all opportunities. So thank you very much. And my, also my email is austin at austin-hatch.com as well. Awesome. So. Awesome. Well, I am honored to have you on today to have this conversation. This was awesome. I know that uh, our audience is going to get so much from this. Like you're a true inspiration, whether you want to you know, say that about yourself or not, because you're a humble guy. Um, and, and the grit formula, phenomenal. Everyone can live by that. And some of the stories I hope really resonate with everyone uh, like they did with me. Uh, but love to have you on, buddy. Can't wait for you to speak to my organization next week. And uh, everyone else in the audience, inspire and impact. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inspire People, Impact Lives. If you've been inspired today, please share this episode with as many people as possible so that together our impact is exponential. Exponential.